On today's podcast, we have a very special guest. Listen to this resume here. The Madness winner. The first ever Mountain Ops winner. Trending to be the setter of the year. $67,000 of projected income in the pipeline right now. Guys, Devin Fish, welcome to the show. Thank you. Let's go, Devin. Welcome. Thanks for having me on. Devin is a freaking legend around here. We've been like, this podcast is way overdue. We're so stoked to talk to you, pick your brain. So uh, let, let's jump into this. The first thing I think we're wondering is, dude, tell us this pitch. This pitch produces like crazy. What does this pitch look like? Is this like, we're going to pay for your solar? It's free solar forever. Like what? what's going on here? <laughs> um, so yeah, so I changed a few things from what I did last year. Um, last year, I would start at the door and introduce myself. This year, I'm using NEM to use their last name to make sure I'm in the right place. I think yeah. that makes them feel like uh, I'm supposed to be there. So I'll knock and I'll say, hey, is this still is this still the Consola's residence? And they're like, yeah. And usually sometimes they'll come out. They may ask, who are you? What are you doing? What do you want? Blah, blah, blah. But I kind of just push through that and just follow up with the meter. Uh, that's what I go straight into. So we're doing the net metering in the neighborhood. Ask them if they remember anything about it being swapped out, any literature they usually don't. And then I kind of get into explaining why they got the new meter. And um, that's kind of like my pain building process where I explain kind of what's going on with the power over here. I kind of show them a little slide of like the fossil fuel fuel plants that they're shutting down um, and kind of make it real to them. And uh, I do my best to try and build some pay and talk about the rate increases and uh, have a conversation, a normal conversation. But it's kind of meticulous. I have a, a whole process of points that I usually hit. Sure. What's your thought <clears throat> on them knowing about if it's solar or not? And how quick do you get into them knowing specifically it's about solar? Usually within the first minute to a minute and a half, I'll use the word solar. Um I won't go straight into solar, solar, solar panels on your roof like that, but I'll say solar and then I'll kind of switch to their rates going up um, and then I'll bring it back to solar. And by then, if they haven't given me any objections, I usually kind of just assume the bill. If we've had a normal conversation, if they have given yeah. me, you know, object, it's kind of, I mean, objections are smoke screens. I think I've gotten good at naturally feeling what is a smoke screen, what, what is an objection. Um, so I try my best to just push through and ignore the smoke screens and answer those objections. But um, I think I that's a really good point mm-hmm. that you bring up. I mean, for everyone who's listening, who's maybe new to door to door, new to solar to you, what is the difference between an objection and a smoke screen? <clears throat> a smoke screen is, is fake. It's just, they, they don't want to talk to you. They don't want you on their doorstep. And I would say that's uh, just randomly guessing maybe 80% of what we hear as a no um, is usually a smoke screen. And when I started, I would take those all very literally. I would take everything that they said as, as literal. Um, but a lot of like, you know, Oh, I'm working or, you know, Oh, I'm not interested before they've even heard you say a word. It's like, no, not really. You don't really understand what I'm doing. Um, so it's really just them trying to get you off the door and them having kind of a closed mind, not wanting to hear you out. 
and it's just up to you how you push through that and uh, don't really take them too serious because you're there for a reason. How many uh, smoke screens would you say you walk through typically on, on one of your sets that go through and close? I would say average, like three to four. Um, wow. Yeah, I would That's say so cool to hear that. There's a there's a few in there usually, um, and I just and you're you're knocking in uh in Illinois, right? Right. Yep. And so you've knocked you've knocked in also in Washington in Illinois. What is it? Is Illinois just this land of no one knows about solar? I imagine it's not. That there's probably some competition there. They have been knocked before, and you're able to get around that kind of uh, you know the the fact that they have been knocked for solar before. Is that right? Yeah, um, there are people that have been knocked before. I don't hear that one a whole lot, like, oh, you're the fifth guy to come, unless it's like a really prime neighborhood where all the other com- companies hit. Um, so we don't deal with too much saturation, which kind of helps us. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, really nice people over here. Um, they're down to listen to you if they're not having a bad day. And, um, and, you know, it makes sense over here. It's not the best situation for them with their rates and everything. They've gone up quite a bit, so... Usually, you know, they you can get them to look at you as a human who's trying to help them. They'll they'll give you the time of day to listen to you, which is nice. Devin, where do you try and be? Obviously, this varies area to area, but for you personally, how many bills do you try and pull in a day? And how many hours are you trying to get on the doors? And then where do you try and be for your hold ratio? So I try to be around five sets a day. Um, in around five hours, I usually try and shoot for a set an hour because I think that's right around what I can do, um, at least at this point. And as far as hold ratio, is that another word for sit ratio? Sit ratio. Okay. Yeah. So last year I was around 50. Um, this year I'm closer to 65. So it's gone up a pretty good amount. That's one of the downsides is here. People are pretty skeptical. Um, so a lot of times, you know, when you set a time, they, they'll end up no-showing. I think part of it is they're really nice here too, so they don't want to tell you no and kick you off the door sometimes. So they'll set a time thinking they're doing you a favor. Uh, but I've gotten that up to right around 65. Last week was a different story. I had some bad luck with sits, but we don't have to talk about that. So what was that switch? How did you go up 15%? What changed? I think it's really this one line that I've been using, and I repeat it about three to four times in every conversation because um, – I like this quote from Zig Ziglar. He says, repetition is the mother of learning. It's the father of action and therefore is the architect of accomplishment. Um, So I know Taylor McCarthy talks about repeating stuff a lot. On the first day I was out here, I used this line and it just fell right. So I tell people, like, today we're building reports and what we do is we see if you qualify. In order for you to qualify, the report has to meet two conditions. So condition number one is it has to be $0 down. If there's any money out of pocket, any installation fee, any money up front, we're just not going to come back. You don't qualify. Second condition is the monthly payment, which is all you pay for the solar, has to be less expensive than the electric bill that it's replacing. So it's got to save you money monthly, and it can't cost you money up front. If those two conditions are met, then my expert will pop by at another time and kind of go over how it all works. And then I'll, I'll say that once to get them to get the bill, and then I'll usually say it again when I'm uh, when I'm solidifying the appointment. And I think that kind of got you... people to to sit because I think people get in their head about the zero down after they set an appointment. They think they're going to put a bunch of money out of pocket. 
Yeah, that's helpful. Do you text and remind them of their appointment? I do. Or do you leave that up to the closer? Um, we have been doing that this year because we have a lot of setters and um, we don't obviously want to get no showed. So I usually right after I set the appointment, I shoot them a text so they have my number. I'll just say like 7 p.m. tomorrow with Enzo is what I'll text them. And then if it's if I set it 48 hours out from that time, I'll reach back out to them before the appointment and just make sure it's good. If it's within 48 hours that I set it, then I'll usually just leave it and uh, Enzo will go show up at that time. That's cool. Something kind of interesting I think listeners would love to hear is you actually found out about solar via Indeed, right? Yeah. Just a Indeed ad. And you were working whatever job, <laughs> saw the Indeed ad, and then started working solar in Seattle, right? Yeah. Yeah, over in Washington. And then how long did you do that for? So I did that for about a year. Um, I just decided... There were some things going on that I didn't really like. Um, I started closing. I was self-genning, and I wasn't a fan of some of the proposals that they wanted me to offer because it's a lot less sunlight and power costs a lot less over there. So um, that's around the time I came across Empower Relentless through, I think, Danny reposted something. But, yeah, I was found on Indeed, and I did it for about a full year over there, no off-season. So you found out about Empower through social media then, right? Right, yep. Was it through one of Diego's TikToks back in the day or just on? It, no, no. <laughs> um, I think it was I think Danny Pessy. It was either Danny Pessy or Knockstar reposted one of the relentless stories that they were tagged in. And then I think that's it was like some cool, incentive man. thing or some training. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Because I had been telling my company or the other company to to get Knockstar or something for a long time. Because I felt like our training wasn't great. Um, so I saw that, I think they were investing in a few different trainings and I was like, Oh, I like that. That's a, that's a good point you bring up. You, I, we heard that you kind of were the king of training in the off season. Tell us about your, your, your procedure and getting ready for this year. Um, what did you do? How did you train? How much did you train? What was that process like for you? Yeah. So I think for me, um, I was just reading really the whole off season. I think there were days where I spent just three, four hours at my desk, just reading. Um, and the main reason for that is because I was out in Utah, I was staying at Diego's and I have a cousin and some family that lives out there, but for the most part, I don't have a whole lot of friends out there, which I think was good for me. Had I gone back to Washington, I don't think I would have read as much in the off season, but Diego offered me a spot to stay and just living around him kind of motivated me a bit more. Um, so I was just reading. I think I read a total of nine books in like 10 weeks, which for me was a, a pretty big accomplishment because I've always wanted to read consistently and some books I would read and finish but other books I'd get halfway through and just never touch again so to to start and finish nine books in like 10 weeks was it was one of those moments where I proved to myself that I could do something that I didn't really want to do but knew I needed to do so yeah it was just a lot of pretty incredible we talk a lot like when I was out there with you guys a couple weeks ago we talked about feeding your mind right right and, and so from the outside, when you hear about a story like yours where somebody busts out nine books in the off season, and it's like, no wonder that they're killing it. Like you have that time to envision this next year and your goals and what you want to accomplish. And you're just feeding yourself incredible thoughts, right? So it's really cool. Also with the, with the off season, you almost didn't make it out here, yeah. right? Yeah. 
And I think that's important to talk about. Tell us more about that. Like, I think when people hear successful stories, they're like, yeah, they've always had a solid pitch. They've always been a sales guy. They've always had money. It's like, that's like hardly ever the case. Yeah, no, for sure. So um, it was end of February. Uh, my birthday was mid-March. So my mom wanted me to come home for my birthday. I didn't want to come home after being in market. So she actually flew me back to Washington. I was waiting on a few wow. installs. Um, so I didn't have really a lot of money. I was expecting one install to come through uh, from when we blitzed in Vegas. And it didn't come through while I was out there. So I had like less than 200 bucks in my account. Um, so I'm out there and I've got a plane to get back to Utah, but I don't have enough gas money to get to Illinois, let alone buy food. So I'm su super stressed the whole time I'm there because I'm like, I just read all these books. I've been like just waiting to get on doors. I had never like itched to get on doors as bad as I was in the off season. And um, yeah, I was just super stressed out. My mom could tell. And then um, I let Enzo and Luke know once I realized, okay, I'm not getting paid on this install. And by the time I need to be in Illinois, there won't be another pay week coming. So I'm stuck with this 200 bucks until I either get paid or something happens. So I let them know where I was at, just kind of, you know, seeing where the cards fall. And they texted me. Enzo was like, um, he texted me and I was nervous up until this point, but he was like, Devin, this is your year. I'm betting on you. I'm going to send you a grand. Um, no strings attached. You don't have to pay me back. You're going to crush it this year. And I was just like total mood change. Cause now I have gas money to get out there. Um, and then <laughs> five minutes later, it's a group chat between the three of us. Luke goes, I'll match it. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, How is this? <laughs> I've never met people that would do that for me, especially like in a work environment. So yeah. I think that was part like, once I got that and I started driving to, Illinois, I was even more ready to get on doors because I just felt like these guys just had my back. Um, and now I'm now I need to go and go and get it. And that's kind of what what we did. I went out the, the first day we knocked here, I got a same day. And then the first week, full week we were out here, I pulled out seven deals. Um, and that was kind of just I felt like I owed them. And also I'd been itching to get on the doors. But they did me a huge favor, Enzo and Luke with that one, because if not, then I would have had to wait until other money came through. Thanks for sharing that, man. It's so cool to hear about those leaders like Diego letting you stay at his place. Yep. Enzo and Luke for floating the cash. Like that's really cool. Yeah. It sounds like it's probably paid off for all of them too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. especially Enzo. I know how many closes has Enzo had for you sure. this year? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say 15 to 20, maybe. Um, cause we've been kind of sending them all over. The thing is Enzo gets really booked. So then I've got to send to somebody else, but it all works out. So glad you brought that up, Chan, because I think it's so important that from the closer perspective, I think Enzo is probably doing that a lot from a leader perspective, mm -hmm. but as a closer perspective, it's totally worth investing in your setter. And I'm not talking about just financially. I'm talking about mostly time and teaching and right. just sinking every morning and night on what works and what doesn't work. And that's one thing I've noticed this year from the good relationships to the not so good is if the closers and setters have a really close relationship and they're both investing time in each other, it can work out really well. Every once in a while, it might have to be a financial investment, right? But that can really like to Chandler's point, it can make you a lot of money. And so glad you brought that up. Let's talk about, since we're kind of going chronologically now, 
let's talk about the madness. I think, uh, you know, if you're in California, you might not appreciate this as much because in Illinois, it was freaking cold at this time, right? Yeah. I mean, you guys had all sorts of crazy storms going on. And cool story, the, the last week of the competition for the championship, it was 20 degrees that week. Just insane. These guys were having to go to their car, warm up, back on the doors, back to the car, just to like stay warm enough. I heard about bloody knuckles. Bloody Actually, knuckles, bloody yeah, from dry skin and cracking, everything like literally blood, sweat, and tears in this in this finals run. But cool moment, defining moment in the entire competition coming from Devin here, the legend, is he's going back to his car to warm up his hands. And while he's sitting in his car... He texts a customer from last year to try and get scheduled. The customer gets scheduled, and they end up selling that customer, and that's the deal to help them win the finals. So just so insane. Like every little ounce mattered. How how was the overall madness for you guys? Any other stories or any other thoughts on the madness? It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, that same day, uh, Lucas Admire, he's, uh, he's from here. Um, you know, we were pulling, trying our best to pull out the same days because we had a rough week. That final week was was really tough on us for some reason. We just weren't getting a lot of sits and closes, even though we had a good amount of bills. It felt like, um, but people just weren't. Sitting Wasn't the down. snowstorm? Yeah, I mean, it was just it was freezing, um, super super windy. That final Saturday was. It said it was twenty degrees, but it when it shows like what it feels like, it said five or six degrees. So it was cold. Oh my gosh! Like that I was, so I would I would knock for thirty minutes, and my hand would be like purple. So all the homeowners kind of felt bad for me. Um, but yeah, so Lucas had set an appointment for his tenant or his his landlord because he lives with the guy he rents from and um, their yeah. friends. So he ended up setting an appointment for him and. And that dude also went solar that same day. And that was it. Those are, those are the deals that kind of tied us up. So yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. Knocking through that, that cold weather was, it was tough, but we kept pushing. Did you get to go to the, uh, to the March madness? Yeah. Game? Super How was that? It was so fun. I had never been to Texas before and, uh, let alone a championship game for a huge game. So it was, it was really cool to be a part of and see like the whole fan fest thing before they had this whole convention center set up. It was, it was a lot of fun. I love that. That's awesome, man. I've actually never been to March madness and I'd love to go. I feel like that's like kind of a bucket list type of thing. Yeah. And you got to go to the finals, like (laughs) so sick, man. So experiences are just such a cool thing. Kind of moving on to, to mountain ops. Same thing. I think people would assume like Devin just always kills it, but let's talk about it. Like the, the first week you had two, right? Yep. And then six and then eight. So it's not like you were just throwing up crazy numbers the whole time. You, you kind of progressed throughout. Um, talk to us about mountain ops. Yeah. So that first week was just tough for me. I had two. That was my lowest week all year. Um, so to start off the competition like that, I think, um, Toby Hour and Dylan Suapaya had like six. So I was looking at the leaderboard and I was like, man, I got some, some catching up to do. Uh, and they killed it because I, I was nervous up until like the, until the final announcement was made. But um, so I had two and then, then I got a cold that weekend. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm not going to let it stop me from knocking. Um, so I was kind of coughing and I had some sniffles on the doors, but I pushed through it. So I was able to get six. 
And then uh, finally I got eight. In that final week, I was trying to push the most amount of hours I could. I was going out doing some morning knocking, which I wasn't the whole competition. And I think the neighborhood I was in was just a little bit tough because I was out there for like 10 hours in the morning-ish. And I think I got one appointment that week in the mornings. Um, so that was tough. But then that final Saturday, the last day of the competition, I ended up with like nine sets, three or four same days, two of them sold. So I ended up with four deals on that final day of the of the the mountain ops, and that's what secured the deal for me. Dang, just pushing through. The whole team went to that's pretty insane. The calendar was packed that final Saturday. There was like no space, so I was double booking. I even um, set one to Carson over Zoom, um, but Enzo ended up ended up running it because because uh, he didn't. Enzo got no showed, but it was just so packed, and the whole team went to Six Flags because there was no space on the calendar. But I'm like, I need to get some shots up, so I stayed out. Um, skipped six flags and just kept knocking it was another one of those cold days um, where it was like it felt like it was 30 so it wasn't as bad as the madness but it was pretty cold but I ended up putting up the most appointments I have in a day with nine and I ended up with four set closes that day which was super clutch what have what have you learned like just overall like if you had one of your best friends coming out I mean what would you teach them because you've been able to like I feel like you've expedited so much learning just in the short time that you've done the job. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have? There's a lot of new, new reps right now. A lot of people in their first or second week, by the time they listen to this, their second or third week. So what would you tell those new setters that have never knocked on a door? Yeah. Um, I would say it's, it's re it really is a numbers game. Um, the more it's all input based. I think a lot of new reps make the mistake of comparing themselves to veterans and, worrying about results and stuff when I think in the beginning all you should focus on is how many conversations are you having and getting comfortable in those conversations. I think everybody has a different voice on the doors of what works for them and it takes a little bit of time to find it. Um, but the only way you're going to find it is putting in those reps. So I think I think reps is just 100% the main thing. Um, you can try and get all technical with the skills and everything, but it's kind of what your presence is while you're there and it takes some time to find it. it takes some time getting comfortable you know like how i usually get the bills is i tell people i'm going to go check the meter and if they can just grab the bill i'll meet them back here that used to be kind of uncomfortable for me because it felt commanding um, but i think once you do it enough times you just feel comfortable with it and that's how i get the majority of the bills i get is i tell them i'm going to go look at the meter if they go grab the bill i'll meet them back and get the report started for them but it all comes down to reps. I think that's that's the main thing. It's just getting in there, getting your face kicked in, and learning how to deal with things. Um, things that I still struggle to deal with, I've heard them a thousand times. And, you know, it's just getting better each and every time. It sounds like there's kind of a pattern I've noticed with Devin that you're kind of the guy that skips out on the fun things or the just kind of skips out on the meetings, skips out on Six Flags to go and work and get those reps in. We had this podcast scheduled for last week. And you had to skip it because you had to go get some more hours of knocking, right? Yeah. So, how does that? So, how does that work in your mind? You're just what? What's your why? What What motivates you to go and skip Six Flags and team meetings and podcasts to keep working? Yeah, um, I like the idea of being the best. I like competing with myself. Um, last week on the podcast, I, I think it was scheduled for Thursday, and I had Tuesday and Wednesday. I combined for five sets on two days. I had zero sits. I think I only had two more appointments on the calendar the rest of the week. I was getting no-showed. I wasn't getting sits. 
it was a rough week. Um, so I figured I had to go out and knock in the morning because if not, then there was, it was just wasn't looking good for me at the end of the week. So I did go end up knocking and I got four appointments that morning. So it paid off. I got three later that day. So a total of seven. Um, and I still didn't get a sit until I got one sit. So Saturday morning, I had a four, 14 appointments set that week and one sit. Um, so it's kind of the solar coaster there. But um, I would say what pushes me is the fact that I'm out here in Illinois. Um, not to hate on Illinois, there's not, not too much fun stuff to go on. It, it reminds me a lot of Washington, <laughs> except I don't have any family here. So um, I think being away from my family and being out here in Illinois is like, you know, I'm here for a reason. Might as well, you know, do what I'm here for. And, um, you know, meetings and Six Flags, that type of stuff is fun. But if it, if it cuts into production, I'd rather rather be on the doors. What's your vision for yourself in this year? In this year? Um, I want to do the best I can. I'm shooting for 200 set closes and uh, however many install out of that. And then uh, I want to be the setter of the year because... I like the idea of being number one. Love that, man. How many? Uh, how far are you with set closes? How many do you have uh, closed right now? I have forty-four that have closed. Forty-four set closes. So you're about a quarter of the way there. What does the process look like the rest of the year? How many set closes are you doing a week or a month to get to your two hundred set close goal? Uh, so it should be a little bit over one a day. Um, so I would say. I haven't done the exact numbers, but I would say it's about seven a week. It should get me to 200. Seven set closes a week. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's wow, a large crazy. <laughs> Got to put climbing the leaderboard pretty fast for installs too. So that's, that is super cool to see. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think you still tune into the team meetings. It's just via zoom while you're driving, right? You're just not there in person. Yeah. So, I mean, I go, um, I try and make it as much as I can. I have been more lately um, because they've been a little bit more of a structure and they've assigned me a role on like the KPI guy. So I'm tracking everybody's numbers. Um, so I try and get there now as much as I can. It's just sometimes if, you know, if it's like a competition or if I'm just doing, yeah. not doing great as well as I'd like to, I need to get back on track, then, you know, I'll skip out on a meeting or two, but I try and make it, if I'm not there at the meeting, I would try and uh, Zoom call in or something. Nice. Well, I, I think one thing I'm for sure looking forward to is chilling with you in New Zealand. That's yeah. going to be pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm excited for that. And Mexico. Yeah. But for sure, sounds like you're making both this year. Yeah. Also, I'm, I'm pretty curious. You know, you've got pretty much every competition this year under your belt, every major competition. Um, what is What is your mentality and what does your team mentality feel like right now going into the Cup? And also, let's talk about last week. You guys had what 30 deals last week in it's one office insane. in um, st louis I, so i think i think those numbers were a little bit off i don't know if they were counting Lindsay hatch's numbers she's out in peoria now um i think as a mm. we either had 26 or 27 um milan, yeah, i think we did count Lindsay. yeah yeah milan enzo's sister had 11 which is insane um that's so wild shout out to her and then um wesley johnson had five brandon Vasquez and Lucas Admire had three each, so they all put up some good numbers. It was a it was a nice. What does the energy feel like? What does the energy feel like in St. Louis right now? It's just people are just vibing off each other left and right. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, it's a lot of it comes from Luke too. Like um, 
shout out to Luke because he's when I do when I am at the meetings, I think that's pretty big for me because I'm normally like a really laid back, chill, calm person. Uh, but sometimes I lack some of that extra energy and enthusiasm when I'm out there, which helps me on the doors. But also sometimes if I'm lower energy than my normal state, then it doesn't. So in the meetings, he's he's losing his voice in the meetings, having people yell out how many bills they're going to get. He gets the whole team hyped. Um, so Luke is uh, kind of where all of our energy starts. And then it just keeps going in circles as we, you know, do what we do. So we're we're really excited for the cup is what I'll say. I think we're. We're going to go pretty hard. It, it's pretty interesting because, I mean, I can't visit every office, but I do get to visit every org. And, I mean, Chandler, dude, this team, I swear there's not any scrubs on this team. Like, every single person you look at is just a baller. And it's it's crazy. Like, the Kuyans, man, that's a stacked family. Like, yeah. from leadership <laughs> to closing to setting, like, they're just crushing it in all aspects. Scott Schwartz, Luke, Devin, like just everywhere you look, Lindsay Hatch, like just freaking ballers everywhere. And so I think it's a testament to just the quality of people you recruit. Cause sometimes people can get so focused on quantity. Same thing happens in setting. Mm -hmm. Like quantity is just the main thing. And then the quality goes down, right? And that happens with recruiting. Some of these offices just have anybody that they can find anywhere. And so it's just really special when you look at this team and you're like, every single person is just top notch, like going crazy, just going off. And so I I've seen this in my career that if I would let people go, oftentimes we would sell more with less people just because like we got to that core group that was all bought in. They're all the same level. And I, it's counterintuitive. You think more bodies, more sales, but I've never seen that work out that way. You know, you guys just have this really good core group that is just kind of killing everybody right now. <laughs> so I like to, I love to create competitiveness. Yeah. And so you guys are up against uh, Temecula this week, which is led by Hayden Richards. They won the Cinco de Mayo comp two right. weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. Man. Um, any, that's any right. words for Hayden and his Hito. crew in Temecula? Uh, bring your best. Cause we are. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's it's awesome to hear Devin talk about like Sua, you know? Yeah. Cuz it's like, dude, there's there's some pretty good setters in the company and if I was in a competition, I'd be looking at Sua like, "Dang, dude, this guy's a baller," you know? Yeah. And Devin and it's just it's awesome. So I'm really excited to see what happens with the cup. There's a lot of heavy hitters right now and we have a bracket. I haven't filled one out yet, but I saw Chandler <laughs> filling one out last week. So it's going to be fun to see which bracket wins. Yep. Should we ask Chandler? Should we put Chandler on the hot seat right now? Yeah. Who who do you have winning it all? Um, well, I got to be a little bit biased to my, my boys, of <laughs> course, and, and Empowered North. But, I mean, it's it's like as I did it, I'm like, okay, St. Louis versus whatever team. I'm like, I love these guys so much. But St. <laughs> Louis just did 30 deals with like 12 people. Yeah. So totally. – but uh, actually, so it's funny you mentioned Toby and Dylan earlier. They're both up in you know Northern California with Denton and the Belknap brothers, great leaders, great crew of guys. And I remember that week, they both felt really confident going into the last round of Mountain Ops. Like, oh, I got this. Denton's a huge hunter, so he was really pushing for Toby to win. And Toby is a rookie, so it was a kind of a monumental moment. And then 
out of nowhere, Devin just swoops in and snatches that uh, yeah. <laughs> that trophy. <laughs> Last second, Denton was losing his mind, and but it was, it was great. So I think they've got a chip on their shoulder. So I actually had the far north office going all the way to the end and taking the trophy yeah. for the cup. So yeah. we'll see if that okay. plays out. So I think they're coming back for you, uh, Devin, in, in the cup. Cool. Yeah. Unfortunately for you guys, I think losing oftentimes is more motivation than yeah. winning. Yeah. Uh, it can really, really motivate people. So they'll be really good competition. But Devin, thanks for coming on, man. It's so yeah. cool to pick your brain and learn from you. You're just a legend. We think the world of you here. I know so many people in the company do. So I just I just want to thank you, man. Like the tide raises all ships and you've raised the tide. So it's been really cool to watch you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on, dude. Thank you.